like to thank Mr. Horace for his kind words of welcome. Lovely to be here to meet with friends in the Anilong congregation once again. I don't really count myself a stranger. I know ever so many of you, maybe even no families are represented by all of you who are here tonight. So it's, it's a joy to be here to renew fellowship with you again. We're going to turn to the Word of God. I'd like to read from two portions. First of all, Matthew, Matthew chapter 28. Some verses from this portion. And then we will go to John, John's Gospel, chapter 20. And if you can put a marker in the place, that would be appreciated. Really be helpful, especially with John chapter 20. But uh, if you can as well, put a marker in Matthew 28 here. We want to give attention to the opening part of the chapter. What a privilege to have a book like this. Now the word of God, the God-breathed word in our hands. And in reading it, reading these verses, to know these are the words the Lord has given to us. And may come tonight and break the bread of life. Matthew 28 verse 1. In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn, Toward the first day of the week came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulchre. So we're talking about a very early hour, it's still dark. And dawn is approaching, the sun is about to come up. And it, it always seems to me, if we talk about Galilee and such places, the sun comes up very rapidly. And there you can see the sunrise bringing a new day. Verse 2, and behold, there was a great earthquake. For the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning, shining out with that kind of brilliance. If you or I had been in the vicinity, we just couldn't stand the, the great blaze of glory that was to be discerned in him. His countenance was like lightning, and his raiment glistening, his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake. Those are the guards that the priests had put on the tomb to keep it intact to make sure that nobody would break in or roll the stone away but the keepers weren't much use when the glory of God came in the keepers did shake and became as dead men and the angel answered and said unto the woman didn't bother with the keepers he wasn't speaking to them, but he had a word for these dear women who loved the Lord. It'd be a terrible thing if we could imagine someone on along tonight, the Lord isn't speaking to them. They're just drifting on day after day through life, but not a thought about eternity. The Lord's not speaking to them. But if you're here tonight, even if you're not a Christian and the Lord's speaking to you, count that a great privilege. Aye, and, and do more. Act on it. Respond to it. This is what he said, Fear not ye, for I know that you seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come, see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. 
there shall you see him. Lo, I have told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulchre with fear and great joy. And did run to bring his disciples' word. Pick out those words in verse 8 quickly. They departed quickly from the scene. They had fear and trembling in their heart. The great earthquake, a startling experience with the angel of the Lord. Then the great joy. And they did run with a good message. Bring his disciples' word. We're going to finish this part of the reading at verse 9. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, All hail, or indeed rejoice. The word of the Lord brings joy to your heart. And they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. What a grip they had of his feet. I would suppose they held him around the ankles. And to do that they had to prostrate themselves on the ground before him. And that's how they worshipped him. And holding on to those ankles they couldn't miss but see the print of the nails there in his feet. Matthew 28 if you have a marker in it that will be a help. Then John's Gospel chapter 20. Again the opening part of, of the chapter. John chapter 20. Verse 1, the first day of the week. This is why we keep the Lord's Day, first day of the week. It's, it's always a great anniversary. Think of his rising from the tomb, the Lord's Day, the resurrection day. It's commemorated by believers. The first day of the week cometh, Mary Magdalene early, when it was yet dark. It's the dawn of the third day, the resurrection day. They're coming onto the sepulchre and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulchre. She got no further. That was enough. Just turned on her heel and started to run. She's fitting well. She's a young woman. And she runneth. And her first thought is, Peter and John and the other disciples, they need to tell them. It's calamity at this moment for her to see the stone rolled away. It's the worst sight possible. For she doesn't know the whole truth as yet. So she can only think calamity, catastrophe, something awful. The stone is rolled away. She runneth and cometh. To Simon Peter and to the other disciple, whom Jesus loved, and saith unto them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulchre, and we know not where they have led him. It wasn't the common thing for the disciples or those dear women who followed the Lord to speak to him and of him as Jesus. They would have used that name in some circumstances. But primarily, they spoke about the Lord. And here, here she's saying in desperation, Peter, John's there as well. What does she say? They've taken away the Lord. Out of the sepulchre, we know not where they have laid him. 
Peter therefore went forth and that other disciple, namely John, and came to the sepulcher. So they ran both together. And the other disciple did outrun Peter. I think Peter was heavily built and John was more athletic. He might have been slightly younger too, but he was fit. And left Peter laboring behind. But Peter wasn't far away. He got there. It was John who got first to the sepulchre. And he, stepping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying. Yet, went he not in. He was overwhelmed. Perhaps at this point, hardly knowing what to think. Then cometh Simon Peter following him. Those few seconds behind. But for him, it's straight in. He went into the sepulchre and seeth the linen clothes lie. Just folded neatly. That place by themselves. And the napkin that was about his head. Not lying with the linen clothes. But wrapped together in a place by itself. Then went in also that other disciple which came first to the sepulchre and he saw and believed the truth of God came home to his soul with mighty mighty power he saw and he believed for as yet verse 9 says they knew not the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Pause there. They knew not the scripture means that they didn't understand the scripture because they'd heard it often enough. Oh, from those days away back, the Lord began to tell them that he would be rejected, he would tell them that he would be crucified. He would tell them that he would rise again from the dead. But they didn't want to take it in. They didn't really want to hear that. And so they missed it altogether. And the Lord said they didn't understand the word because they didn't receive it when they heard it. How important it is tonight for you to drink in every word, and listen with heart attention, with prayer, with instant reception, with stirring of soul, to say, Lord, don't let me miss out and fail to grasp the word when I have the opportunity. As yet they knew not, but they should have known, for he told them that he must rise again from the dead. Let's, let's look at verse 20. We'll take it verse 19 would be better. Then the same day. That was at the dawn, remember. At the very commencement of the third day, all of that detail we've been reading off took place. But now the hours have slipped away. It's still the third day, first day of the week. Verse 19, the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, and the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. Here's the verse I want you to think about tonight. And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Wonderful words. 
Then, were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord? Let's keep our Bibles open, asking help from the Lord tonight. Heavenly Father, gather us around thy feet. We think of thy dear people, of whom we have read in these chapters. We can just imagine the anguish of soul they had experienced through those vital days. And we have started the day in darkness preceding the early dawn when piece by piece the evidence was laid before them. The stone was rolled away. The tomb was empty. And soon came The startling and wonderful message, Christ the Lord was risen in his glory. O Lord, break through in thy power into our lives. We pray tonight that we will go on with the Lord from strength to strength, that there will be new things. There will be a visitation from heaven. There will be fervent desire of heart to be at our best for thee. To follow the Lord, we we think of how we have noticed how they would run in these verses. Their hearts filled with fear, and then on the other hand filled with joy. And powerful mixture of emotions. Lord, we, we pray for thy hand to work on our lives and bless us here. Bless this congregation. We thank thee for thy dear people. And grant tonight the experience with the Lord. Gather us around thy feet. Gather us around thy word. Lord, I pray for, and many friends in the congregation will pray for, the hearing ear, the understanding heart this hour. O Lord, grant the infilling of thy Holy Spirit, even with wisdom. In Jesus' dear name, amen. Look again at those words in verse 20, if you will. It would be my prayer, Lord, come and write these words indelibly in our hearts. Verse 20, And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. What an awesome, unforgettable experience that was. And our Lord Jesus came and stood there before them. And he showed them his hands, showed them his side. But only seconds before this, those same disciples were a bunch of broken-hearted and helpless men. The doors were shut for the fear of the Jews. They were weeping. They were going over all the arguments. They were filled with frustration and fear. But now that the Savior had come among them, all that has changed. Glory to God. Changed forever. I find that's just wonderful. We would have to say they were never the same again. After that vital moment when they saw the Lord and he revealed to them, just as he did, the wounds in his hand and his side. The other gospel says also in his feet. But my question tonight is, what did it mean for these dear souls who had Trusted the Lord and followed the Lord all the way. There in uh, verse 19, the disciples had assembled together. The men, many of the names we can recognize, and the women too, they were all there that are. What did it mean for these hard-pressed disciples to see the Lord like that? First of all, the overwhelming sense of his presence, that he's there. And then 
and see the nail prints. What startling evidence is that to see the print of the nails in his hands? The awful gaping wound in his side. What, what did it mean to these dear souls to see the Lord like that? So much has changed. Their, their emotions have changed. Their convictions have changed. Their whole demeanor. It's just nearly impossible for us to get a hold of this to see how far this powerful change in an instant took place right there. When in that moment, never, never to be forgotten, we saw the Lord as wonderful. The first thing that's mentioned in verse 20 is their, their joy. Could you describe it? How their hearts were filled with joy, overwhelming joy. I would suggest joy that never departed from them. Lifelong joy, therefore. The fullness of joy, overflowing joy. See him. Our Lord had warned them in the upper room just before the end. He, he warned them, you will weep and lament. You'll have deep, deep sorrow of soul. That was just three days ago. From the view that we have here in John 20. Just three days ago. They never had sorrow like it. To see him suffer there on the tree. Never had sorrow like it. And we could hardly tonight from our Standpoint, enter into the pain, the brokenness, the desolation that entered their soul. And the Lord said, you will weep and you'll lament. But your sorrow will be turned into joy. And this joy now that they have, they never had the like of it. To see the Lord just as he was. And what did it mean, I'm saying tonight? What did it mean to have that thrilling experience? Well, first and foremost, when the Lord showed them his hands and showed them his side. That was convincing proof, powerful proof, that he was risen triumphantly from the dead. Now they can say, the Lord is alive. He's risen. He has triumphed over death. The stone has been rolled away. He's the living Savior. We were singing it tonight, weren't we? I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I like the way it's put in the book of Acts. If you want to know the reference, it's Acts chapter 1 verse 3. But I'm going to repeat the words. Speaking of his disciples again. He showed them. After his passion. Which means after his sufferings. He showed himself alive. After his passion. By many infallible proofs. That man and woman were talking about the evidence of the resurrection. Many infallible proofs. And outside of his person. Well, we know there was a great earthquake. The storm was rolled away by supernatural power. The angel of the Lord appeared. Other angels came as well. He sat upon the stone. Ah, the tomb was empty. These things in themselves were lines of evidence pointing to the fact the Lord's not here. That's what the angel said. Weren't those memorable words? He's not here. He's not here. He's risen. Can you, can you just picture what it would be like to go through all that and stand there? Some of us have been to 
the tomb that we believe was the actual place where his body was laid. And even though, well, in round terms, 2,000 years and more have rolled away, it was still awesome. It was still awesome to stand there and contemplate his death for us and his rising again. I say it was still moving. But what it was what was it like for these people to be there at the moment? And when he showed them his hands and his side, then they had that most infallible proof of all. They could see him risen in the body. Here's how the Gospel of Luke puts it. For in Luke chapter 24, we have uh, these memorable words showing that our our Lord had words uh, relating to his body, to his resurrection uh, for uh, his disciples. Uh, I've got Luke 24 in front of me and I'm looking at uh, verse 38, he said unto them, Why are you troubled? Why do thoughts arise in your hearts? They're afraid. What is it exactly that's going through their mind? He's saying that, Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Ego I me. That's the expression used here. I am. Right in line with the Old Testament revelation. Of Jehovah, I am, as I myself. Handle me, he says, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones, as you see me have. Well, we could not normally see a spirit. And for these people to imagine, I will. They're in the family and fold of the Lord, the Lord's dear people. For them to imagine they've seen a spirit. That would not be the normal thing. And the the Lord's people are always quick to put the wrong construction on the word and get away from the reality and work in the spiritual realm as if the Lord rose again in the spirit. He didn't die in the spirit. Could I say that tonight? The spirit of the Lord didn't die. It was the body that died. And therefore, the Spirit of Christ did not rise again. The Spirit of Christ never died in the first place. It wasn't the Spirit that was buried. It was the body. And the body of Christ arose the third day. He said, handle me and see, because I'm not a ghost. I'm not a spirit. A spirit doesn't have flesh. A spirit doesn't have bones. Handle me. And see, we don't see spirits. For example, every Christian has the personal attendance of angels. You know that. But maybe you don't ordinarily think about it. You know, the angels of God are in here tonight. And if we saw them, we'd be staggered. And some people would fall off their seat just to see them. The luster of their countenance shining like the lightning. And those robes white as the snow. If we, if we saw the angels in here tonight, and they are here. In personal attention, attention for every believer. But the Lord doesn't allow us to see them. Because we would be putting the emphasis on the wrong foundation. I'll just tell you what would happen. Supposing the Lord just let us see. Oh a hundred angels in here tonight. And we would be staggered and dumbfounded. And the preacher would go silent. I promise you that. If we saw those angels. And your friends at home say. The first thing you would remark. On reaching home would be. Do you know something happened tonight. We saw the about a hundred angels. From heaven. And we know the Lord was in the meeting because the angels were there. 
They've been there all the time. And you see how you would spring to that point that you know the Lord's present because of the angels. But that's the mistake. That's exactly why the Lord doesn't let me see the angels. Normally, sometimes a child of God before departure has indeed seen the angels. But normally you won't because you would just fly to that. And your faith would be in the angels. And the seeing of the angels. And not in the book. Not in the scriptures. You see the mistake. How the Lord must keep us safeguarded in that respect. And bring the child of God. That's you and that's me. Bring the child of God to the book. The blessed word. Handle me and see. Why, the Lord is risen. He showed them his hands and his side as a demonstration that he had risen in the body from the dead. There's another reason why he showed them his hands and his side. And we were singing about that tonight in the service. Because the nail prints in his hands tell us something of his love, of the debt of love we owe to him, the fearful price he paid for our redemption. That's the message of the resurrection. The finished work of Christ is showed them his hands. To suffer death no more. To hang on the cross no longer. His blood has been shed. This is a body as he demonstrates it of flesh and bone. The blood is gone. Blood has been shed. He showed them his hands as an evidence of his sufferings. He showed them his hands and his side. That ugly, awful, gaping wound in his side. We hardly bear to think about it, never mind see it. To say, I suffered this for you, your guilty room instead. You'd have to say, Lord, you paid, you paid that debt for me. Have you seen the wounds in his hand? Have you seen the wound in his side? There's that hymn we sometimes sing. There's life for a look at the crucified one. It surely brings to mind uh, this very scene depicted in the Gospels. When they could see his hands. They could see the wound in his side. There's life for a look at the crucified one. Life at this moment for thee then looks in her look. Am I speaking to somebody here tonight, a man or woman or young person? You don't know the Lord yet. There's life for a look at the crucified one. See there the debt of love you owe to him. And the ladies sang that lovely hymn tonight and their pieces were very appropriate. They were all lovely, but that touched my heart. We may not know, we cannot tell what pains he had to bear. When you see the print of the nails in his hands, you begin to take it in as I think in no other circumstances. Nothing more eloquently could set forth the love of Christ on the atoning work on the cross and the nail prints in his hands. He finished the work for me. And that hymn I'm mentioning, Life for a Look, it asks the question, why was he there as the bearer of sin if on Jesus thy guilt was not laid? And why from his side flowed the sin-cleansing blood if his dying, thy debt, has not paid. 
I firmly believe tonight when he showed them his hands on the side, he was showing them the evidence of his dying love, the power of his atoning blood, that work of redemption that was finished. And yet, there's another reason, no less important than these that I've given. Why did he show them his hands and his side? To show that he was risen from the dead in the body and to show them too the awful price he had to pay to procure our salvation. But there's another reason. And it came out in Matthew 28. You remember how we said, could you put a marker in the place? And perhaps you did. Matthew 28. I want you to see this, the significance of this. This again is why the Lord showed the wounds in his hands. Matthew 28 and verse 6. The angel is saying to the woman, He's not here, for he is risen. Oh, the angels know about the resurrection. But more importantly still, they, they know about his words. Because do you see those three words as he said? I have them marked in my Bible, and I would suggest you mark them in yours too. The angel is saying, look, this is just how it is. As he said, he brings them to the word. I have told you, he says in verse 7. Oh, as he said, the wounds of Christ demonstrate the truth of his word. And the word of God came home to the disciples with great power such as they had never known before. In Luke's Gospel 24, where I read to you, here's how it's put there by the angels. Luke 24, verse 6. He's not here but is risen. Remember how he spake. Now, that's brought up by the angel. In the context of the empty tomb, the stone rolled away. Remember how he spake. Did I say in the reading, ah, it wasn't that they hadn't heard about the resurrection. They had. You remember that? I said, well, they just didn't allow it to sink in. They just didn't grasp it. Because here's the angel saying, remember how he spake. And what is that but a reminder of the word? Do you remember how he spake? Do you remember his word? So by showing them his hands and his side, he was bringing home to them as never before the power of his word. Remember how he speak. That's Luke 24 verse 6. And verse 8 says, if you happen to have it open, you'll maybe see this. They remembered his words. Now, that was something. They remembered his words. They had known. It just didn't sink in. It didn't grasp. They didn't grasp it with all their heart. They had missed it. Uh, men and women, I suggest, there may be a danger for us as well to miss out on an awful lot when we're reading through the chapter and we don't grasp the word. You show them the wounds. There just brought home the power of his word. They remembered his words. When you go home, you might want to look at John 12 and 16. It says that there were many things the disciples just didn't understand that he had said unto them. That was really a powerful verse, John 12 and 16, because it says this much. However, when he was glorified, when he rose again from the dead, they remembered his words. They remembered his words. The word of God had a new power in their lives from that time on. Oh, it's, it's just so touching here in the scriptures when we see these things. But just as I finish tonight... There's another great truth in the showing of his hands and his side. To me, 
It's just a preview of heaven. Because those disciples, that day, that eventful day, the third day of the week, when, when they saw the Lord and he showed them his hands and he showed them his side and then his feet. That's, that's just a preview of heaven for you and me. Because they were forerunners. They got ahead of us. Because, listen, I want you to take this to heart tonight. You're going to meet the Lord maybe one of these days. And when you get to meet him, it'll be this experience. You remember this night and not alone. You're going to say, I remember contemplating that very thing. I'm not alone that Easter Sunday night. And when I get there, the hymn writer has tried to say, when I get there and look on his face, his thorn-scarred brow, and when I see the print of the nails, when I see the print of the nails, That gospel hymn says, truly, I'll wish I had given him more. Do you see? Because what's happening here is is just a, a preview of our own experience. Oh, if you... I know some of you by name tonight and others of you I know the family and I might slip up on the first name. I could start calling names here. Now you belong to the Lord. You're an heir of glory. These disciples just passed on the way ahead of you. What will it mean to you? I asked that question of the disciples, remember? What did it mean to these dear friends that are when they were there looking at him and seeing the nail prints in his hands. But now the question must revolve around you. What is it going to mean to you to be there in the glory and for him to show you his hands and his side And you're going to say, if you have power to say anything, Lord, it was all for me. You paid that debt for me, Lord. You have a view of him in Revelation, there stood a lamb as it had been slain. What does that signify? The wounds of his sufferings are there. You didn't turn up the place in Zechariah chapter 13 verse 6. Uh, Israel is pictured. Those who crucified him. And they're saying there, Israel is heard to say, What are these wounds in thy hands? He answers the wounds wherewith I was wounded in the house of my friends. Zechariah 12 and 10 tells us when the trumpet sounds and Christ comes again, the elect of Israel in that hour will look to him. They shall look on me, whom they have pierced. Revelation 1 and 7, also they that pierced him. See the wounds again. What will it mean? I, I, I tell you what, I hadn't thought I'd be introducing this at this stage. Isaiah 43. This is just a word for the Christian before you go. Isaiah is 49. Isaiah 49 and verse 16. Here's a word what the Lord has said. Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. And Zion has been saying in verse 14, The Lord has forsaken me. 
The Lord has forgotten me. And the Lord is saying, no, 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 no. I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. And the Christian here, some child of God has come through the mill. You've come through the darkest valley. Your heart has been brought to breaking point. You might even have been questioning his love. I think the Lord has forsaken me. I think the Lord has forgotten me. And and here's his evidence. Look at the nail prints in my hands. I have graven thee. Your, Your name is in those nail prints. Do you see that? Your name. Here's another point. I wish I could just start without embarrassing anybody. Start calling names. And putting your name in. Your name is in a sense written into the wounds in his hands. Because he he died for you. I have graven thee. That's why the Lord said I can't forget you. I haven't forsaken you. I could as soon lose my hand as lose you because I have graven you right there where the nail print is in the palms of my hands. And thy walls are continually before me. I take that the Lord to be saying not about Jerusalem, the walls of Jerusalem. But I believe the Lord would let me tonight extend the promise to you and to say, what about the walls of your home? Thought about that. I can't forget you. I can't leave you. You can't say to me, I don't love you. I don't care. You can't suggest that because I have graven you. Have a look. The palms of my hands. And thy walls. That's, That's the... In our extended view, it's the walls of your home. That's comforting. Thy walls are continually before me. He's not going to forget you. Not as long as the nail prints are in his hands. When I get there, I look on his face. I I wish I had given him more. Going to ask your minister, Mr. Harrison, Mr. Harris, come and close the service. If you're not a Christian tonight, Will you face Christ with the wounds of Calvary and demonstrate it before you so plainly? And in a lifetime, hearing the message all these years, you've never come to Christ. And you think it's time tonight, this Easter Sunday night, that you would bow the knee, take your place as a guilty lost sinner, in the presence of the Savior and ask him now into your heart and into your life and for the believer too may there be encouragement to press on with God for his name's sake Amen Let's all unite our hearts please together in prayer If there is one in the gathering tonight and you'd like to speak to our brother, Dr. Douglas, he's here. If you'd like to speak to myself, we'll both be at the door. We're here to help. And if we can't help in any way, just please wait behind and speak to us tonight. Heavenly Father, we thank you. with grateful heart tonight for those nail-pierced hands. Give us joy again as we help heal them. Thank you for a saviour 
who loved us unto death. He bears us up. Whose remembrance is ever before him. We thank that we can never be forgotten by him. We thank thee tonight for covenant union with Christ for time and eternity. We pray thy blessing upon the word that has been proclaimed tonight. We thank thee that the word is enough. And we pray, Lord, that the word of God, blessed by the Spirit of God tonight, will continue to do its own blessed work in hearts and lives. Remember every dear brother and sister, perhaps some clambering up the hill of difficulty. We pray that thou will grant them grace in the day of adversity, that they might ever look to thee. And for those as yet unconverted, Lord, we pray this Easter Sunday, 2022, there might be those even in Analong will seek the Lord while he is to be found and call upon him while he's near. Separate us now one from the other in thy fear and with thy favour. Take us to your homes in safety and out into the week ahead in the blessing of the gospel of Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. And now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the communion of the Holy Spirit rest, remain and abide with you both now and forevermore. Amen.